Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. Heard here live on MockerRadio.com, where music reminds me. You already know me. I'm Marcy. Alongside my guest, this man's from New Jersey. He's a director, screenwriter, actor. Plus, he's a huge fan of professional wrestling. He's my friend. He's your friend. He's been on Damage a few times already. The one, the only, Brandon E. Brooks. Brandon, welcome back to Damage Radio, man. Hey, man. How's it going, RC? Thanks for having me back. It's going back, man. Last time you, last time you and I talked was a uh, party in the USA with Mr. Pete, Pete McGrathy coming up, man. That was great. That was a, that was a great in studio interview, man. I can't wait to get back inside the the actual studio. Uh, it's been a long time with all this pandemic stuff going on. So, how are you holding up with everything with this, man? Because for me personally, it's frustrating having two young children. I want to be able to take them out to conventions and take them out to these places, but. You know, one may, my, my one son has asthma, and they don't have a vaccine out for them yet. And you see, kids are dying and mm. getting hospitalized lately. It's very frustrating. And where is that level mark of knowing that we're safe? And it's, it's not there. Uh, there's so much misinformation. It's it's got to be difficult, you know, even more difficult for people like yourself that have children and those that have even even elder elder. Uh, relatives that have uh, troubled immune systems and things. So, so like I said, that's that's. Hopefully, there is some kind of answer that is actually beneficial to the mass public. But I mean, that's what I've kind of disliked in this whole situation is there's so many, there's so many people speaking that are not professionals in the health industry that people are listening to and then there's people in the health industry that are not necessarily uh upstanding and what they're saying from what we've heard so so again it's it's when there's so much misinformation to an entire world it just it makes for just so much it just makes for so much infighting and and i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that and it and you can't really say either side is wrong because so many people are so many people are saying oh get a vaccine don't get a vaccine this will you'll grow an extra head if you do this or or what are they putting in us and you really don't know and, and i understand that people don't want to put it in their children and people don't want to do certain things because we're really in a situation where what do you believe because we don't really have the the figures on the screen that everyone really can like a hundred percent can root for so right. it's a that's that that's that's a troubling issue, but hopefully it comes to some kind of some kind of end at some time soon. I mean, this is always going to be something that's going to be around, just just like the flu and ev- everything else. But hopefully it gets to a point where at least we're not constantly every few months uh, we have to put masks on when we go into places, or we got to worry about traveling places or visiting family that have bad immune systems and things so that that's where i'm at as far as during the pandemic i actually i actually honestly thrived because for whatever reason um it was a time frame early on where because everybody was inside the house it 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 allowed me to to be able to reach out to people and connect with people that weren't necessarily taking my call or listening to me via zoom before so them being home i could reach out to producers or people that to read my stuff or hey check out this movie i did or whatever and they didn't have anything but time so saying no 
wasn't really as much of an option as it was when they were busy and 24 right. seven. And, 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 and that's what I did. And I ended up getting a lot of work, whether it was writing or acting or filmmaking. So from kind of October of last year through, I want to say March of this year, I, I was, I was swamped. I was busy. So, I mean, you still had to take the, the all the, the COVID tests every other day and go through the, the safety precautions, but I stayed busy, which again, I was busier during that time frame than I had been probably the prior two years. So, Right. Now, here's a question for you. Now, um, people that um, have already made it, um, sometimes they can come off a little cocky. Now, did anyone give you a time limit on a Zoom call? When you talk to them throughout the past year, or did they actually give you the time of day to really get out everything you had to say? Uh, that used to happen before before my resume kind of got to a point where they would actually listen. And I think I think in those situations, the the advice I give or the answer I'm going to give you is that if you if you know what you're talking about, if you you have a solid pitch and you're you're ready to go as far as talking to these people there's there's no limit to what the conversation's going to be if you are stumbling and you are are saying things that are kind of outlandish and they kind of know that you're not on point as far as your numbers and the talent that you want for a specific budget or or even your story like you're telling your story you don't have a, a solid concise pitch not something that's five minutes i'm still trying to tell you what a movie's about I've ended up on Zooms for an hour, 45 minutes. When I, when someone told me they had 10 minutes, it just depends on how you grab people. If you can grab people and they see that you're passionate, they see that you know what you're talking about. There, there isn't any limit really because, because people, I think a lot of people do want to find the next person that's going to make them money, whether it's writing something for them or that next actor or that next filmmaker. I think a lot of times people shorten things because they hear the same thing. They hear, oh, I got this idea. And the ideal is something that has already been made 75 times in the last 10 years. So soon as they hear that, okay, we already, they, they roll their eyes and then you've lost Okay, okay, like, uh, so, and then that's the thing. I, w- I have a specific way I go about things, what, even at conventions or even at a- events where I'm going to meet people, like film festival, I, always, I have a specific way I go in, and I don't go in as a fan. I never have ever done that. I lead with a business card, with a handshake, and I establish that from the beginning because when you, when you lead with, hey, can I take a picture? Hey, I loved you in this movie or this show – you're automatically in their brain ingraining that you're a fan. So then once you flip it to, hey, I wrote a film or hey, I have a film company, they already have in your their brain that, oh, oh, okay, okay, great. So yeah, call my people. It doesn't, it doesn't, the, the conversation didn't start on a professional level. It started right. on a fan to celebrity level. And that's that's almost never works for business. How long did it take you to learn that that uh way of uh, talking uh from the very beginning because a, a mentor of mine told me that he said don't he said when you go to these things uh don't ask for pictures he said he also said because again that that establishes you as more of a fanboy or whatever than someone who's who's trying to do business with this person on a equal level he also said like look for the people in the room that 
are not the known faces. People will go to parties or things and they're looking for the celebrities and they're trying to pr approach the celebrities about, oh, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to be in, be in your projects or blah, blah, blah. And the celebrities nine out of 10 times are not the ones that are the shot callers. It's the agents, it's the managers, it's the producers. Those are the ones you need to be looking at for in, in the parties. And they're the ones on the phone. They're the ones that are, are more likely to give you a business card and say, call me on Monday and we'll talk more about this. Or, hey, come to the after after party and we'll talk more because they see that you're, that you're experienced. And now everybody can Google you in five seconds and see your resume and see who you work with. So it, it makes it even easier for people to kind of delineate whether or not, oh, okay, this is just somebody who's never done anything or he's just, he's he's done a short film or whatever to somebody who may be that person who has a script that their client, they might want to put their client in because they see it as a payday as well. So, right. uh, so now that was a big thing for me because I used to work for, uh, I used to intern many years ago for a company in Philly called Mike Lemon Casting. And they would have parties every every few months just for, for clients and just to kind of mingle and say thank you for the people that work for them. And sometimes their clients like M. Night Shyamalan and like different people, different filmmakers would show up and everyone always flocked to them for pictures and to try to, hey, I'd love to, how do I, how do I get in your movies in? And like I said, it's not like they make decisions, but at yeah. the same time, they have people around them. So one of the pieces of advice Mike Lemon gave me was look for the people in the club that are on their phone or standing in the back like behind the people those are the people to go and, and have a drink with those are the people to go and shake their hand and give them a business card because they also they also know that if you do that then you know what's going on professionally to not go and give your headshot to bruce willis give your headshot to m knight because yeah. they're never they're never carrying that the rest of the night. They're gonna no. put it down on the bar and put their drink on top of it. Yeah, and that's Comes it's a, a waste of a headshot. So right. Now, is there a certain like you know in professional wrestling, there's a certain handshake that you do. Uh, is there a certain handshake that you do in the in the film industry? No, no, uh, no. It's it's a it's just it's a standard handshake. And you and I I always realize with certain people that. The more, at least again, doing a lot of horror cons over the years, like the more the the more people are personable to you, the the better relationship it normally is. Because a lot of actresses and even sometimes actors that'll do the handshake hug or just give you a hug, and sometimes people are just huggers. But I have noticed over the years those that I've become tight with or that I've ended up working with are very much. They're they're endearing to not just their fans, but the people that they work with on a business level. Every time they see you, they show that same love. They give that 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 big hug or that handshake, or they have that that smile that not everybody gets. It's a little bit different. And if you, I've been doing this well over twenty years, so you can I can kind of tell the when it's someone who is not sure about you to someone who instantly is kind of like okay tell me a little bit more 
Okay, okay. Okay, you know what? Take my phone number. Oh, hey, take my agent's uh, contact or whatever it is. Here, follow me on Instagram and send me a message tonight and I'll read what you like. They're all little kind of things in this day and age with social media that and sometimes I've done that. I've met people on a Friday at a convention and they'll say, hey, message me on social media and then I'll run into them the next day at the convention and they're like, hey, I, I checked you out. Take my phone number, da 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 da, because they did their due diligence and they saw yeah. that I wasn't just a fan that was trying to to get their information and and fanboy out or whatever. That I really was somebody that could possibly hire them. So, okay. so why why horror? Horror is for me. My answer to that is just I grew up since I was a little kid just loving it. Some of the first stuff I saw was Hitchcock's. Uh, rear rear window and psycho and the birds then uh, carpenter's halloween's my all-time favorite horror film but i just grew up loving it and i could handle it for whatever reason as a kid whereas like my siblings could not that came a little bit later and i just i mean from the late 70s into the 80s when that, that was kind of the big it blew up into the big craze of that time with like prom night and the burning and all those different films that and then that went into nightmare on elm street and that went into a lot just i mean there's so many i like a lot of the under the radar things like like tourist trap and and the initiation there's so many films for me that a lot of people don't even really know that much about that because I just every week I was at the video store four or five four or five videos a week just watching these things and I was allowed to it at a younger age because I could I could take them so I just always had a fascination with them and I mean and that's that's where and I've always, I've kept that over the years I mean I also love action movies I love crime films and and a lot of other I love foreign movies but horror has just always been something to me that has always just been the been the the go-to if I, if I want to watch something nice so so break it down for me um you have when you have something that inspires you to pursue writing about like what is your uh like in order how do you go do you is there an, is there an order you go or you mean when i'm screenwriting or right yeah. Uh, well, I, what I do is I create an outline, uh, and then sometimes the outline is not fully complete, but I do start from scene one, two, three, four, and I might not have five, six, seven, but I'll do eight, nine, ten, and then what I'll do is that I'll get, I'll, I'll force myself to get to the end of the outline, no matter how many scenes it is. And then once I have a, a full laid out story from, from act one, act two, act three, then I begin putting the pieces together because I have the, I have it all there for the most part. But then when I start writing it, then the blanks start coming to me. Like whether I'll, I'll, left, I'll have left out little, oh man, I don't know what to do like in the middle of the film yet. But as I start writing it and I start building these characters, it comes to me. So that's that. That's kind of how I do, and and that's my process at, for for every script. Uh, I have to have a pretty at least seventy five percent of an outline, and then from that point, I know enough of what the story is going to be from A to Z to to knock out the script. Now, for finding certain actors and actresses, do you already have in mind people that you want to ask, and do you have that B and C option in case A is not available? 
I always usually do just because it, it helps me as a writer because if I'm if I'm writing a story and RC is my lead guy, it helps me visualize because I know your mannerisms. I know I've watched you do things like or whatever. So it helps me as a storyteller play out these scenarios throughout. So I be having done this for so long, I know a ton of up and coming actors and obviously I know a ton of established actors as far as just having watched them on screen or even ones that I know. So it's easier for me, but sometimes I think that I think the challenge for at least for me as a writer is I don't when I don't know exactly who could play the character. And I think that's a. I think it's a good thing. I used to. Th- it used to bother me, but I think it's a good thing now. If I read someone's script, or if I'm writing a script, and I don't have a specific A lister or B lister in my head, I think it is a good thing because that might be that next star. That might right. be that next person who has to be found in a casting call of 500 people that might become the next Halle Berry or the next Adrian Brody or Kevin Bacon. So you just never know. And, but I always normally do because I have so many great actors in my head and I, I want to see the up and comers win because they need that push. They need that right. next step push. So I love when I can write something or, or, or be in the position to cast and cast some of these really amazing talents that the world hasn't really got to see on a big level yet. Definitely. Well, if you need anyone to get completely damaged and damage some heads, <laughs> you got RC ready. Right I'm, I'm ready to try something new. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch your documentary where you train pro wrestling, man. I want to see that. I loved it, man. <laughs> so uh, let's let's catch up the present day, man. Uh, you just recently went to Horicon in Atlantic City. Talk about that experience and how everything went down. Uh, it was it was a wild weekend. It's always a good time in AC at the Showboat for the NJ Horicon and Film Festival. Uh, there's a, sh- a short couple short films that I was a part of as an assistant director. Uh, one was called The Commitment. The other was called If Likes Could Kill. Uh, they were directed and written by Steve Doss, who's another local uh, filmmaker out of uh, Philly. And, uh, and we were nominated for three uh, awards, Best Short, Best Special Effects, and uh, Best Screenplay. And we picked up a, an award for Best uh, Special Effects. So nice. that was a good uh, that was a good good time, good time hearing, hearing the, the, the commitment called as a winner. Uh, some friends of ours from uh, Hack the Movie, which is a, a YouTube um did a YouTube show every week that my buddy Newt Wallen and uh, Crystal Quinn and, uh, and this guy Tony run. Uh, they actually were the host of the show. So getting having some friends on the stage that were giving out the awards too was was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it was and and again there was quite a few. I mean these are things as you know that have celebrities from horror and all different types of genres there. So so they had the. A lot of the team of the movie The Terrifier, which is a big become a big cult film with around Art the Clown. They had the director uh, Damien Leone and David Howard Thornton there, who plays the clown. They also had some of the producers there and uh, some of the other talent like Catherine Corcoran, who's an amazing up and coming actress. And then they had other cats there like Sean Patrick Flannery from Boondock Saints, Tom Arnold, nice. Andrew Bernarski was Leatherface, and the Jessica Biel, Jordana Brewster. Texas Chainsaw Films. I, I, I spent a lot of time around him. 
on the weekend and, and just a lot of like pop culture cats like Keith Coogan, who's amazing, like from Adventures in Babysitting and Toy Soldiers, wow. which was one of my favorites uh, growing up. So he was he's a really awesome dude. And, um, and Jason Lively from Night of the Creeps. And so it was just a cool time with a lot of cool people. And they have a what they call it's karaoke, but they call it scaryoke. They do that every Saturday night during the during the event. So a lot of the celebrities and people get up there and sing anything from Bon Jovi to Queen to whatever. And some of them butcher it, but some of the people were amazing. Like some of the celebrities were, were did a great job. So I, my voice was already almost shot at that point, or I would have I would have given it a try. But uh, but yeah, it was just a good time. All it's it's a long weekend, but. It's good to be around like peers and people who all kind of support the the art of what we're trying to do as far as film and acting and everything. So so yeah, it's uh it was cool to pick up that award uh, for the commitment and it was just cool to be around cool people. That's why I go to those things because it's uh, in everyday life you don't get to be around people who get it. Right. And a lot of times it's just about, oh, who is it that you met? Or, hey, do you know Will Smith? Or do you know this person? And yeah. whereas in those crowds, everybody's Will Smith. Everybody's Brad Pitt. So it doesn't matter the level of if they were somebody in the 80s or 70s. Everybody respects everybody. And I think that's, that's, that's what's cool to me. Now, will we ever get to see director Kevin Williamson at a, at a convention? I that would be great. I always, I always when I when those polls come up for who they'd like to see at shows, he's 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 a lot of times on the list. Him and cats like Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith yeah. and Jonathan Demi. There's a lot of. I mean, I would love to see more directors do these cons because not only do they have the insight behind why a lot of these horror horror icons became that. They're, I mean, they're they're directly responsible for a lot of these classic films that that we all love. So to hit, seeing them on stage talking about it during a panel, or being able to go up to their table and say, "Hey, hey, how did you how did you con conceive a, a a scene like you shot in this Texas Chainsaw or in this movie or whatever?" That for me would be priceless. So I mean, that's so yeah, and, and somebody like Kevin has done so many different things from not, not just movies but TV as well that for me he would be somebody I'd be I'd be bending his ear all weekend like if he went <laughs> to a show so right so yeah so yeah hopefully hopefully that's that's what it turns to at some point some of them do it like John Waters and have have done shows and Sean Cunningham from the original Friday the 13th does shows but I think it would be cool if a lot more did definitely now let's talk a little about some of the features that you're finishing up on. Uh, you got one feature called Ill, uh, which stars a lot of upcoming talent. Um, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, Ill is a project that I mean I've been working on for quite a while, and it's had some hiccups with uh, different cast members and things. But uh, it's a really cool project. It's uh, I always call it kind of in the vein of the crazies, like that 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 film that was an old uh, George George A. Romero film. On uh, it's not a zombie film. It is more about of a of a contagion of sorts that kind of turns people into into psychotic. 
And um and yeah, Brian O'Halloran from the Clerks films and a lot of Kevin Smith's films and um Katarina Lee Waters who is a was a WWE TNA wrestling champion and she's an amazing actress. She actually started as an actress in London and trained classically like in all of that. So so it's not like she was just a wrestler who turned into acting after it kind of died down. It was actually a passion of hers from the beginning. So and you see it on screen because she's she's unbelievable. She not only has an amazing look because she's beautiful, but she has a command to everything she does. And when you watch the film, like you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. This film isn't a film that where she has heavy dialogue. But it's a film where she commands every scene she's in because it's almost like a like a Terminator. I would say like a Terminator. Like the first film, Arnold didn't really say much at all, but he commands it, and that's what made him a star. And I think yeah. Katarina, in that same vein, is a star because she doesn't have to say as much to be to 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 just totally take over the screen. And and like you said before, there's a lot of up and coming talent like Fallon Maressa and Kate Beaver and Lamar Bumbry, who's a, been a best friend of mine since high school. I mean, and yeah, so for me, it's it's we we still have a, a few pickup days to to kind of tie some things up or whatever that have kind of been pushed because of the pandemic. There's a lot of that that's been happening that kind of have pushed and pushed, and then people are a little more tight with their locations. And oh yeah, I, I know I said six months ago you could film in my my basement or my bedroom, and but with everything going on, so it's it's been one of those situations where. Uh, you just have to roll with the punches, and when the right time comes, then I wanted to have it out by by Halloween. But at this point, I think I'm just going to try to have a trailer, a new trailer for it by Halloween time, and then by the new year, I want to try to try to have a solid distribution deal in place and uh, have it out in the new year. So just like you said, as a director, you have some hiccups and ill. Like a promoter in professional wrestling, they have someone no show. You got to change things up right away. How different is it from a director's standpoint when you're actually making a movie, you dedicated someone in that movie, and then something happens and you got to try to switch it up without switching it up? It's uh, it's tough, and that's happened to me many times before. And it's it's a it's crushing in certain ways, but I mean, it's one of those situations as you go on in life, doing this stuff for so long that you have to be able to. You have to be able to 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 be ready for Murphy's Law because something's going to happen. Someone's going to get sick the night before or get in an accident or there's going to be things that happen and you have to be ready to modify. And when you're not in that situation where you can, then those are those are the few times where I've, it has been kind of a crushing blow because you're putting your, your time and money into these days. So if I'm if I'm allocating a certain amount of money to shoot on a Sunday and one of my main actresses can't show up and everybody else is there, they still have to be paid. They still have to be whether we can shoot anything or not. Some of them might say, hey, I understand. I'll come back another day. But still, I mean, it's still I'm not I don't like being in that position where they gave their day and I'm like, hey, you, this is your day. Here's what you were here for. So you have to eat that a lot and, and food and everything like that that are paying people to be there. So that's happened a couple times. And and it, there isn't always scenarios where you can just shoot something else because that would be right. rewriting a script or going to another location. So sometimes you just have to call it. And that's, that's, that is, that is, whereas in wrestling, I mean, again, you can speak more than that, that, that to me, 
I have heard scenarios where they'll put other wrestlers in that place or, okay, now you're wrestling this person or whatever because yeah. so-and-so didn't show up. or So, again, the fans might not be happy if a certain wrestler doesn't show up, but at least they can maybe grab somebody from a dark match or something and throw them in there, whereas I can't really grab my second choice, call them on the phone. And I have yeah. tried to do that, but a lot of times, oh, sorry, I'm at a wedding. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on vacation. And there's no way to get that person there right away and, right. and get them off book to, while, when everybody's there already. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult, but it's one of those things for me that that's why I've waited as long as I have to, to finish up these last few days because I'm, I'm trying to make it as foolproof as possible to where I know everyone's going to be there, the location's going to be locked down 100%, and we can do it, and there's not going to be any hiccups. Definitely. Now, what's the one of the craziest thing an actor or actress has asked you to make sure you have it food catering? For for catering? Yeah. I really haven't had much of that. I mean, to be honest, I, I've ha I've heard that on big sets. There's been big sets that I've worked on where people, some of the actors that were Hollywood, would request specific water that could only be found like at, at a, on a on a hilltop in Mount Fiji, or things like that, because Avion water or Poland Spring wasn't good enough for them to drink. So there's been situations like that, but as far as mine, I'm I'm a I'm a, a pescatarian myself. So so I mean I get it the the vegan I get it the vegetarian and, and anybody who eats meat. So I always try to have a, an array of things, even though yes it does it is it does cost more to have all those options. But I always try to do that because you want to make sure everybody's happy. And, and well fed on your sets and and I hate it when there I've been on other people's sets where they don't necessarily take that into consideration and then you see that person or persons oh don't worry about it I'll go grab something or oh don't worry about it I'll just drink this bottle of water and you could tell they're peeved but at yeah. the same time and I, I never want that to happen on mine because when you're working out there you want to you want to get a good meal and get charged to keep the, going the rest of the day and i hate it when i see people that don't really get it. everybody else is chowing down and they're kind of just yeah. go they yeah. go for a walk or something or they have to run out and get their own food and i'm like it's just i mean that's bush league to me so i always try yeah. to make sure ahead of time that we know what people's restrictions are, if they are allergic to anything or whatever it is, and just say, okay, she only eats salads, he only eats vegan, whatever. That's fine. Let's figure out what where we can get what we can get for them, and and whatever, and then go for. I don't really I don't really eat much during the shoot days because it any anything could bother my stomach. So I'll I'll just run no matter how however many hours it is, and then. When it's over, then I'll chow down or whatever. I'll maybe grab like a protein bar or some like I'll stay hydrated. But if I sit and eat a meal sometimes, and then all of a sudden it doesn't agree with me, then I, there's nothing I can do. I still have to run the Game rest over. of the shoot. I can't yeah. call it because my stomach's bothering me. So, so that's been my thing from the beginning. People are like, "Sit down and eat," and whatever, and I'm like, "I'm good. I'm just, <laughs> I'm good." Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little about the horror anthology feature film that we're going to hit film festivals called High Fear. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, there's a yeah, there. My buddy uh, Tony Goggles out of Trent, and uh, he also is part of the NJ Horror Con and Film Festival as well. He he runs that. Um, he hired me last year to 
he actually just contacted me and just he had a part that he had written in his um uh, in uh, a short called the streets are watching and it's this crazy cat name uh like crazy carl that is was when i read it i was just like this is this is something that i've never been offered before and it's something that i've never even read before as far as just that kind of a character he's like a homeless crazy person that talks to himself and is walking around the streets and and i'm not going to give away kind of how the story plays out but like it's he's he's you think he's a bad guy but i mean he's kind of he's kind of following this young lady who's a lost soul as well and 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 that's as much as i'm going to say on the premise but it was a really rewarding experience we went out for three days i went to trenton for three days and shot and uh and it was cool i actually took my i actually have i usually don't take my hair out but it was one of them scenarios where for the character uh like tony just said hey would you be willing to do it and i said and I wasn't sure, but I was like, you know what? So I ended up taking my hair out. And my hair is just huge and kind of throwing it out and making it all kind of messed up looking. And and it ended up being like really, a really cool part of the character, walking around the streets and people looking at me like I'm a crazy person for real. And and what? Because there are people like that. He he fashioned it off of a real character that's that lives in that area that walks really? around and is just out of his mind and talks to himself and quotes Bible scriptures. And so for me, I just, I kind of took that ad- advice from him and, but it was, it was, it was a very, very a, a rewarding experience and uh, can't wait for people to get to see it. It's, it's part of, like you said, high fear is a whole feature film anthology project uh, that Brad Sykes uh, and his company out in California are behind. And they have a whole series of them. There was a high death a few years ago and some others. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it hitting film festival uh, circuits. It's my, the, the one that I'm in is about like 15 minutes of it. And then there's other ones that make out the feature. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen it, and I'm very, very happy with how it came out. And uh, I can't wait for the world to see it. So, You ever, you ever pop out some of that Austin 316? <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that would have been interesting. That I, and I mean, obviously, from a copyright standpoint, like, like yeah. you know, Vince would have <laughs> would have come after, would have come after us or whatever. But that that is one of the things I do think of when I think of scriptures, because again, being the the wrestling fan, going back to a baby, like that's obviously that's iconic that everybody knows from the after that Jake yeah. Jake the Snake match. So, yeah. Who was that? Was it? It was Doc Hendricks, right? That was interviewing him. Yeah, yeah, it was Doc Hendricks oh. interviewing him after the King of the Ring win against Jake, and uh, and yeah, it was one of them things. I actually saw the. I don't know if you saw it. It was on YouTube. There was a behind the scenes of how that all came together, and it was just improv that. And I think that's what's amazing about not just, I mean, what I do as an actor and as a filmmaker, improv is so, so key. I know some directors are not a fan of it, but I am very much because you get those organic moments that end up being things that weren't written in a script. And they become the they become the things that people love the most about the movie. Or how many th- scenes of things have we heard weren't supposed to happen, and an actor did it, and they become the reason why the movie became iconic. And same with wrestling. If Austin didn't say that, there's not T-shirts that say Austin's the 316. There's not yeah. the, like maybe that doesn't turn into 
the the phenomenon that he became by just doing that. He already, I mean, he could have been in another way, but again, those little things, that moment set off the rest of his life. And the same right. with Sting as the Crow. The same with a lot of other things in pro wrestling, where Punk with the with the mic drop, like that, literally took him from being a wrestler that was always a great wrestler, but it it charged him into where he is now because people that didn't really pay attention to him before then, when he was in like that group before with uh with with like uh with I forget I forget the name of it, but um. It turned him into something that, like, overnight people were, wow, he just made fun of Stephanie and Triple H and Vince. And he called out New Japan Wrestling and, and like, all these things. And he kind of broke the fourth wall. And that made him an overnight superstar as as opposed to just being a WWE wrestler. And, And that's why he's in the position he is now. Because from doing that and then the pop after that and then leaving the company the way that he did... That's why seven and a half years later he's he's showing up on AEW and he has the pop that he has still and he is still one of the most recognizable faces in the world because of that night when he sat on that stage and he and he disrespected Cena and the whole company and like I said yeah. those are those iconic moments that that will never be forgotten in pro wrestling. Definitely. So let's talk about another uh, thing you're working on. Uh, talk about the challenges of acting, producing, and casting in a movie like you did with the crime thriller uh, in South Philly titled Not For Nothing. Uh, what were some of the cast members in that, and where are the challenges with that? Uh, that was a situation, too, that, I mean, that uh, the, the, the writers and directors, Frank Tartaglia, Tim Dallin, uh, I actually met Tim uh, through Mark Weber, who is an established actor for many, many years. He was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, quite a few other films that I admire. He's also an award-winning director, films like Explicit Ills. Uh, and he's just he's just an amazing talent just all the way around. And I would go to his screenings just as support, whether at the Philadelphia Film Festival or Tribeca. And I got them. I met Tim at one of uh, his last screenings at Tribeca, and we were just got to talking about the, one of the their fir- this is their first project, Tim and Frank's, uh, not for nothing. And he was like, "Yeah, I'd love to have you come and work with us on it." And then some time passed, and I got a call from them. They said, "Hey, let's meet up in South Philly, and talk about working together." And this was probably over two years ago because obviously the pandemic cut out a lot of time from between now and then. And we all just hit it off. And I mean, they, they brought me on initially to help ca- like to cast the film because I have a lot of that experience from from prior years. And so I brought in a lot of up and coming talent. We also reached out to a lot of established talent. And Mark was already attached as the villain of the film, uh, Bobby Boss. Uh, and then we just had to fill in the blanks around him. And that's what we ended up doing. We actually were supposed to begin principal photography in at March of 2020, but that's right around the time the pandemic hit. So li- we literally were a week and a half from filming. And then we had to literally get like get the flights back and like get all the Airbnb Airbnb uh, Airbnbs reimbursed and literally had to shut everything down, which which uh, we took a hit uh, financially for. But but again, and then we we ended up uh, bringing it back together around October when things settled a bit. And then we we went into filming in December and we shot well we shot a good portion of it throughout December 
And then we came back in February and, and finished up uh, some of the pickups we needed. But there's a lot of amazing talent in it. I mean, Lauren Lavera, who is the female lead in the Terrifier 2, uh, she's the female lead in the film. Michael McFadden. I mean, Danny Donnelly is another amazing up-and-coming actor out of, out of the Pennsylvania area. Uh, there's Carmine Yusko is another name to look, look out for. He's an he's a amazing singer, but he also is a really good young actor. And it, it's just there's a lot of a lot of a lot of great Vic Vic I'm gonna mess up his last name but Vic Dimitetto uh, who's a great a comedian and we, you and you may have seen him on YouTube in his car or like ranting and different about different uh, issues he has a pretty cool part in the movie that uh that a lot of people are gonna dig is like kind of kind of the, the film is 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 mob related in in a way of kind of where modern day mobs are like like back in the day mobs were very prevalent and were a heavy hand and like that the law enforcement was always looking out for but it's not hasn't been so much in recent years but it kind of plays on the factor that there's there still is influence out there even the old heads that are 70 80 now they still have a say they may be investors in Italian restaurants or bocce ball places or whatever, but you still, if something goes down in the neighborhood in South Philly or wherever that they don't agree with, you still, there's still a price to be paid, like from some of those old heads that then, and if you step out of line, there's still a reckoning to be had. So those are, that's kind of a little bit of what the story plays on. And it also plays on the, the fentanyl uh, like, the, the horrible, horrible, like, adverse effects that fentanyl has, like, on society, not just in Philly, but all over the country, uh, and all the deaths for that. That So that was a major thing that that uh, the Frankie and Tim wanted to showcase that, that just to kind of put a more awareness out there about it, because in, we're even going to attach ourselves to different different centers that, that that deal with it and if people are dealing with drug abuse or different things like that just we're going to try to have we have it on our website for the film and and even in the credits we're going to have just people that can go they can find help before it's too late so that's awesome man now you're going to be interviewing film music and sports pros about their lives and their careers i think that's amazing can you delve more into that for the damage fans out there listening yeah, um, I was a, I was a, a I don't, I don't want to say a member, but there was a, there was a, a video cast for the, for the better part of the last couple of years called the Indie Brigade, uh, and it was run by uh, Joe Ridgely and George C. Romero, and that came to an end about six to eight months ago or so. But uh, Joe wanted to keep it going and continue to build it, so he created like the Indie, the Indie uh, Escape network so what he wants that to be is a network of video casts of different types that every night of the week there's a video cast from different artists that deal with different some of its entertainment some of some people deal with how it's all entertainment based but one of the shows deals with how entertainment like overlaps with mental health other people deal with other how how it deals in society and politics and and my show uh, which I named uh, the Industry Outlaws United IOU for short um, I I named it that because I owe a um, a huge huge debt to this business for just just giving me something to do as far as I mean when I started out working in retail stores 
30 years ago or whatever, I, I had no idea really. I didn't do the traditional college thing. I went to college for a couple of years, but I, I didn't really know what my path was going to be. And then I ended up just kind of stumbling into an acting school when I was in my early 20s. And that was it. It just, and I just, I, I was there for a few years and I went to other schools and, and I just kind of, it became a thing that, it became a thing to define what I what I wanted my life to be as a writer, as an actor, as a filmmaker, and that's kind of paying it forward all, all these years later. Um, that's what IOU is kind of going to kind of be. Is it's not going to be an interview show where I where I just talk to actors and musicians and and different uh, personalities about what they're doing like a lot of other like entertainment tonight and a lot of I want to actually talk to them about like what makes them tick like what 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 their likes and dislikes are what I mean and there will be portions about the work that they're doing but at the same yeah. time like I, I I liked the premise of inside the actor studio where he actually delved into their lives and where they came from and what 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 they had to overcome to get become famous what did you have to do? What types of crappy jobs did you have to go through to get to pay the bills before you got that big break? Tell us about what that big break was. Tell us about some of the hiccups along the way. Those are the things that interest me more than, oh, tell me about your new movie and who's in it. Like that's we can find that out anytime by just Googling. I want to know like why what the pitfalls are, like you asked about the the writing and stuff like that and some of the stuff earlier. I want to know that from some of these people. And and then once it comes to an end, like what for, let's say for sports athletes, how does that feel? I mean, like what I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of depression when say you play for 10 years and you're all and then all of a sudden you don't have that camaraderie in the in the dugout with your buddies or on the court in the locker room with your, your buddies. And and it's just you at home with the kids or just you by yourself. What does that do to a psyche? That's that's more interesting to me than just the the regular fodder interviews that we get all the time. So, so that's what's going to yeah. be my you, show. Um, I got to talk to Joe uh, soon and about it. But I mean, hopefully, it gets started probably in like three to four weeks or so, and that'll be uh, through awesome. Streamyard, and that'll be uh, like I said, the Indie Escape Network, and w- there'll be posts all over social media about it. So, we need that. Like we need people to know the real, the real life Holyfield of of what it takes to be an act, actor, yeah. what it takes to be a professional wrestler. It's not yeah. all glory. So when these people go in and try to do what you do, and they hit rock bottom hard, they're like, "Well, I never heard about that." You're gonna yeah. give them what they need to hear. Exactly, and that's and that's the point of me doing that because it's so many people sensationalize and they see the red carpets and they see all the high points. But they don't realize what a lot of people went through to get to that point. They don't realize what Tommy Dreamer went through to get to to e, like the ECW and then the WWE and then all the hiccups he had to deal with as an agent there and and then continuing to wrestle. And when do I stop? When uh, when am I too old to do this? And 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 some of these wrestlers that are dependent on like medication to get through. And 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 we've seen the horror stories from that have happened with with not just steroids but all the medication to, to, because people have backs that are broken or necks that are broken we, we've seen the the tragic stories of some of my favorites like eddie guerrero and brian pillman 
And and like for me, it's you're right. People need to see that it's not it's not it's not all like like rainbows and cherries. Like there's so much because I think when they hear those things and they see how people overcome have overcome some of the people that have overcome, I think it will help some of the people that even when they get depressed, if they don't get a job as an actor or if they don't get picked up by WWE or if they don't get a music deal by a big company, it'll help them to keep pushing because they'll see that this actor did, this musician did. Oh, he got, he got rejected 110 times before he got his first job. Sometimes people that I know get rejected five or six times and they're like, I'm done. I can't do it. Uh, Forget this man. I went all the way to New York and, 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 and I didn't get anything out of it. And I'm like, that's just, that's just part of the grind. I've been doing this 20, about 23 years, and and I've had so many, so many re- rejection letters and rejections to my face and things that I thought were going to happen that didn't happen, and that's just part of it, man. That's just part of the grind of this whole thing, and, and the, the reason how you know that you're meant to do this is how you react to that. Is how they, if you keep getting up out of bed and keep doing it and you keep fighting for it, that's how you know that it, you're meant to do it. Right. So just like I was going to say, Michael Jordan getting cut from his uh, junior varsity team. Yep. Yep. He, he's too small. He's too weak. He, he practiced all summer, came back, and the yep. rest is history. Absolutely. One of the greatest ever, in my opinion. Like, and that's, that's it. Those are stories that inspire me to keep going because, again, there's a lot of greats that people told them they had nothing. They told, they said, hey, you're, you're not going to be a good ball player. You're not going to be a good actor. You're too ugly. You're too, you're too big. Whatever it was. And that became the next Oprah, Harrison Ford. Kobe Bryant, like all these different people that just fought and fought and fought so hard for their passion. That's what it takes to to make it. And and make it is also a thing that I'm going to push on my show, too, is that make it is relative to what you what you want in your life. Make it isn't being necessarily being famous and everybody knows you and you you have billions of dollars like make it is doing what you love to do and being fulfilled. There's people who have billions of dollars and they're miserable or they have every, they have all this fame and and people bother them and paparazzi and they're miserable. I just want to be fulfilled. I want to be content. Hey, I get to make movies. I get, I have, I get to enjoy life and not stress about bills or anything like that. Like a lot of people like misconstrue fame in different ways. And for me, it's not about, that oh everybody's everybody's kissing my behind or whatever it's about being able to do what i love to do and being content and being able to take care of my family and take care of my friends and and just and just enjoying it like i don't care how much money i have there's been times where i've had some of the best times in my life and i had seven dollars in my pocket and that's a, I mean, that's just what it is. And I mean, and hey, that's that that sucks on the on the turn of as far as like living or whatever. But that's yeah. for me. That's a lot of people that I run into. Just they have this thing in their head that oh man, I just I really want to be famous and be on all the red carpets and do all this stuff. And a lot of that comes with a lot of a lot of a lot more problems than than a lot of people yes. realize and and they don't realize that that's why you see some of these actors that are great you don't really hear much about 
Denzel Washington like getting swamped by paparazzis or or Matt Damon or certain certain actors that are great because they do their thing and they go off and they they go off with their families and people leave them alone. And we all know they're great, but you don't really need to like whereas some of the people shy toward it and they want that. They want the Kardashians want that press. They mm-hmm. Kanye West wants to be out there and look what I'm doing, whether it's crazy or not. And for me, I I don't need all of that. I'd I'd rather be just be content and have a life that is fulfilling and not have to worry about everywhere I go, someone's following me or or I can't even do yeah, my kids that. are getting pictures taken of them or or everything. I don't have any children, but it's like even even my nieces and nephews, like it's very intrusive. And again, you you get you get a lot more when you get that massive, massive fame but if you deal with a certain way you like like i said like denzel and some of those other celebrities people don't bother you they just they realize that leave them alone we'll go we'll go focus on the people who want it so so you've been doing this for 20 plus years what keeps you hungry what keeps that passion going yeah it's a great question i I, for me it's just that I there's so much that I uh, so much that I want to accomplish. I have such a stack of projects that I deem as are really great projects that I've written, and also things in my head that I want to do. I mean, and I'm also one of those people too that it's not just for filmmaking. Like I, I, because because I've had a lifelong love with pro wrestling. There's things that I like to do in that. And yeah, I'm older now, so I might not get to train or do some of those things that I would have done maybe in my twenties. But there's also things, there's also docs and things that I would like to do in that realm. I've, I just started watching this show called Heels that Stephen Amell is behind. Yes. And and I think it's awesome because it, it's a little push, a little look behind the scenes into this little town with these brothers. And, and I like stuff like that because, again, it's... I might not ever get to do that on a level, in a real level, whatever, but maybe I get to do it in something like that. Maybe I get right. to train like you got to train a bit and whatever, and I get to to take some of those bumps in that form as an actor. And and like I said, and the same with other, there's also other ventures like film festivals and, okay. and things like that that I just think that because of all the contacts and because of all, all the contacts, yeah, over the years that I've built, I just think that those would be cool things to kind of put together because it's, I don't know, I'm just passionate about a lot of different things and that's what keeps getting me up out of bed. I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever have a, a lack of ideals in my head. Like even when people will come up with something, I'll just, if you had an idea right now, I would jump on it and say, hey, that'd be cool. And what if we also did this? And that's what gets me out of that's what gets me out of bed because I still have a lot of stories I want to tell of my own, but I also want to tell other people's stories, and I also want to take world trips and go around the world and see different things and and just de- and like because I've never got a chance to do that. I've never been on vacation. I've never been to other countries, and I want to go see China and Hawaii and and just take in other cultures that that I think are fascinating. So definitely. Well, we got a few more minutes left, and I'll, I would be uh, lying if I said I didn't want to talk about this, but all elite wrestling, man. This past Sunday, I know we can't dive in. I mean, we'll dive in next week, hopefully, if you're available. But yeah. Ruby Riot, Brian Danielson, Paul White, right, CM Punk, 
um, Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> All these people, one night, they don't mess around. They don't. They they say, okay, we're everyone's debuting debuting it all out. Oh yeah, your thoughts, oh, yeah. man. Your thoughts, all out, man. I mean, that's that is that is exactly what I fell in love with wrestling about as a kid. Is that when you put uh, when you put balls to the wall and you just put everything out there, and that's something that WWE hasn't done in in, in so many years. Like, and that's what used to be in their Attitude Era in their time when they were on top, like really on top, not just the numbers in the in the ratings or whatever, like right now. Like they put things out there. They they had those amazing endings that were you never forgot. They had great matches throughout. They had surprises. And when I watched, uh, I haven't watched the actual full event, but like I told you before uh, before we came on, I watched a lot of the highlights and. That end is one of the most exciting endings that I've seen to a pay-per-view in years. I'm a huge fan of run-ins and and when you yes, think something too. bad's like going to end that way and then all of a sudden you yeah. hear that music and when the American Dragons music uh played, man, that was that was a moment that that would that, that popped me because I remember seeing him at a small venue in Philly one of his last matches that he wrestled, uh, Daniel Danielson. And I was like, this guy really is the best in the world, the best wrestler I've ever seen. And at, I mean, it, and it, it, that still holds true. I mean, I don't, I would put him up. Yes. AJ Styles. And there's, there, there are wrestlers that are on that same level, but Brian Danielson is just a beast as far as a pro wrestler. Like you can say whatever you want to say about it. He's also a great entertainer as well. Cause he, he is very entertaining on the mic. But just him and, and Adam Cole's an amazing wrestler. And, and and CM Punk, again, that's just that too was I was at a convention a couple weeks ago, the PA Horicon, and I got all these beep, 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 beeps on my phone, and I say CM Punk is AEW, and I'm like, okay, it's just another whatever, people yeah. just saying it. And that was the night that he act it was a Friday night. That was the night he actually appeared. So I, yeah. I went to my hotel room and I I, I turned on my YouTube. And boom, and that I mean that too gave me chills because that that was in a moment, and it was per in Chicago, perfect, perfect. I mean, you couldn't have done it better. You couldn't have done it better. You couldn't have done the ending of All Out better. And that's a that's a direct shot to WWE is that this is what you used to do to make people excited in the Stone Cold Rock like DX those days. And now the Tony Khan and these guys are doing it better because they have JR and Taz and all these other Jericho, all these other voices that were, that were around back during those days that are saying, no, do it this way. Bring everybody out tonight. Don't do what WWE they'll, they'll have one surprise and then put the other surprise on raw. And it just yeah. puts, splits it up and it doesn't make as much of an impact. And yeah. that and they me have is more the, shows. They have four shows. They have a lot of talent, but they have four shows. And that's what's going to make everybody happy, I hope. I think so too, man. And that's I just think that there I mean, yes, they there are there are hiccups that I hear people saying that this, that, or the other, but they're still growing. There's a lot of great young talent. Jungle Boy's great. Darby Allen's great. Like, there's so much potential on that roster for the next generation. And they're only going to get better being around cats like Punk and Danielson and Cole 
and and a lot of the and the elder statesmen of and Christian another. I mean, that was just uh, those are smart decisions of bringing these great guys that can still go because mm-hmm. that's one thing. It's it's different if they're just beyond their prime and they can't go. But Christian can still go. Punk can still go. Obviously, Brian and Cole can still go. So they're gonna make these younger cats better and turn them into the next generation of, of talent. And that's what WWE and Vince, for whatever reason, didn't ever want to do beyond Cena and Batista and Randy Orton and a handful of others, Roman. They just were happy to just play off of the old school guys and a few of the younger guys. And now that Cena's in movies and Roman's gone in movies and and a lot of these guys don't want to show up again because they're too busy, like The Rock, they're in a, they're in a hard place now because... That you're, what are you gonna do? You haven't established a lot of these cats that are on your show enough for right. to to sell out Madison Square Garden. You haven't. I you agree. haven't. Again, they can because of the name, but at the, at the end of the day, for me, I think they're they're in, they're in trouble because their ratings are way down, and it just seems like it just seems like there's so much passion on the other side that it reminds me in a way of of the wars back in 1997, 98. With WCW, it, 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 it was it was much hotter then because both both leagues were at a certain peak at that time. Whereas I feel like AEW right now is very hot, but WWE is just so lukewarm, cold, and and it, so for me it's not the same, but it's it's the same in the fact that there's somebody coming for them, and they better realize it because. Pretty soon, those ratings for uh, AEW are going to grow. Those crowds are going to grow at these arenas all over the country, and Vince Vince could be looking up like in in, yeah. in a short time. And hey, but it's great for pro wrestling. Like I think the commentator said, it's a good time to be alive in pro wrestling because probably a couple years ago, I didn't think that. I was yeah. I, I was I was watching and I was like, there's nothing I really want to watch. Impact was on and WWE was on, and I was just like, eh. I'm not really interested yeah. in any of this stuff unless someone would show up that I'm a friend of or I wasn't interested. And now Tony Khan and the Bucks and, and Cody and them, they've done something to to totally, totally turn wrestling on its head. And and and, and it, it's the best thing that's happened in a long time. So and it's it's great for wrestling. So kudos to them. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for your time today and uh all your projects you got going on. And once you get more stuff, man, I'd love to have you on to talk more about it. Absolutely, man. Thank you, RC. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Dynamite, man. So remember, damaged fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MonkaRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Thanks, man. Completely damaged.